Good evening. I'm Charlie Wyckoff, retina specialist from Houston, Texas. Great to be here with two friends tonight, Carmen Puliafito, retina specialist in California, and then our guest of honor, Paul Hahn. Paul Hahn really needs no introduction. He is an NJ retina, has been around a leader, a mover, and a shaker in retina um, for a long time. Most recently, maybe known on podium as leading the PAT survey. No easy feat. So he certainly has his hands in the mix and understands deeply what physicians are, are doing on the block. So Paul gave a fascinating talk at ASRS all about the two new agents that we have from an FDA approval perspective to treat geographic atrophy. And we're happy to take a deep dive with Paul into that data tonight. Paul, thanks for coming on. Great to be here with you. Yeah, Charlie, Carmen, it's really my pleasure to be here and thank you for the kind introduction. Yeah, so Paul, tell us, tell us the background of the study the setup for the study, the methods, and then we'll pause and look at what you actually found. Yeah, of course. So uh, yeah, this is 2023 really represents a pivotal year for us as retina specialists. Uh, you know, we have the, we now have a treatment for the first time ever for geographic atrophy, a really blinding condition. And not only do we have one treatment, but we now have two treatments. So as we all know, pegcetacoplan or Cyfovri was FDA approved in February of this year. And about six months later, we saw the approval just a month ago of Isurve or Avacyn Captain Pegol. Uh, so now as retina specialists, we have not one, but two different treatments for a condition where we couldn't previously treat patients. And so how do we decide uh, which of these drugs to use? There are obviously a lot of factors which will go into that decision-making process, um, but it would be very tempting to try to compare the relative efficacies uh, through clinical trial analysis. That's often what we might consider doing is just looking at the top line data in trying to compare those numbers, but it's not the right way to do things. We know, just generally speaking, that you can't just look at top line data from clinical trials and look at those and, and compare the numbers, but there is a proper way to do this. And that's what we did here. So if we step back a little bit, we'll, and if we review based the, the basic study designs of the PEG-CETA-COPLAN trials and the avacyn captive pegol trials, uh, then it's, I think that'll be important to, uh, to, to frame our understanding of how this analysis was done. So first of all, Pegcetacoplan was studied in two different phase three trials, uh, Oaks and Derby. And uh, these trials looked broadly at patients with geographic atrophy, including patients with non-subfovial geographic atrophy, as well as patients with subfovial geographic atrophy. And they looked at two different dosing, monthly dosing and every other month dosing, whereas absent captive Pegol or, or now Isurve, uh, was studied in a single true phase three trial called GATHER2. There was another study called GATHER1, but that was a mixed phase two and phase three study. So the only true phase three study was GATHER2, and GATHER2 uh, looked only at non-subfovial lesions, only with monthly dosing. Uh, and so if we look at the top line data between the two trials, GATHER2 saw a 17% reduction uh, in GA growth at one year. And if we look in Oaks and Derby combined, we saw a 16% reduction, but this combined both non-subfovial and subfovial lesions as opposed to the non-subfovial lesions only as in GATHER2. And that matters because we found that non-subfovial lesions tend to progress faster. And therefore your efficacy rates can be, uh, can be, uh, can be uh, better or greater if you only limit your population to non-subfovial lesions. And so if we look at a pre-specified endpoint in Oaks and Derby and only look at the non-subfovial lesions in Oaks and Derby, we'll see a 26% reduction 
combined in Oaks and Derby, again, compared to the 17% seen in Gather 2. So looking at those two non-subfovial populations, as I mentioned before, it might be tempting to just look at that and say, oh, well, uh, Cyphover is, is, you know, reduces by 26% versus uh, I've, uh, Iserve, which reduces by 17%, and therefore um, uh, Cyphover is a superior drug. But of course, as, as I mentioned earlier, you can't just compare top line data. So this approach that we did is called an anchored matched adjusted indirect comparison in which you try to match the populations in the individual trials to uh, compare the outcomes side by side. And so to do this, you limit the, the inclusion and exclusion criteria from the more restrictive trial to the less restrictive trial. So in the uh, Gather 2 study, they only looked at non-subfovial lesions. Uh, they only looked at a certain range of vision, worse than 20 over 25. They excluded fellow ICNV, and et cetera, whereas Oaks and Derby were more restrictive. So in this study performed with the PELIS, we had access to the individual patient level data from the Oaks and Derby trials. And we took those patients and filtered out anyone who didn't meet the inclusion and exclusion criteria published or reported for Gather 2. So we only looked at non-subfovial lesions. We excluded fellow ICNV as in GATHER2. We restricted to the same level of vision as in GATHER2. And once we had a matched population, we then sought to balance that population by performing a propensity score weighting to match key characteristics such as you know, age, uh, uh, vision, IOP, and of course, ge geographic atrophy, atrophy characteristics such as size, um, uh, multifocality, laterality, and so forth. And so now with this matched and balanced population, we can then go and try to compare the outcomes from the different trials. Okay, got it. So you had access to the granular data of Derby and Oaks, which is more of the inclusive trial versus the more sort of restrictive trial, the Gather 2 study. Is it a limitation that we don't have such granular data for the patients on Gather 2? Or because it's more restrictive, that is not a necessity to, to achieve sort of statistical balance here. In an ideal world, I think it would be great to have granular data from both um, trials, from yeah. all the trials. Uh, and if we did, then we can really deep dive into these and try to analyze all the different, all the differences and try to, try to create as matched of a population as possible. Um, mm -hmm. In this study performed with the PELIS, we only had patient level data from a PELIS. And so we can make do from that regard. But you know, as we think about not just applications of this methodology to uh, Cyphovary versus Iservay, but really all different drugs, yeah. um, I think it would be great if we did have access to the both uh, both study uh, data sets. Okay, two more questions before the results. So the first one is, are we fairly confident or how confident are we here that the patients enrolled in Gather 2 are phenotypically, right, anatomically the same as what we're defining as non-subfovial patients in the Oaks and Derby data set. Are we pretty sure that those are the same or could there be differences there? You know, I think our understanding of geographic atrophy is so rudimentary and everything that we call geographic atrophy, there's probably a large spectrum of what that atrophy actually is. And so I think the phenotypes of, of all these patients is probably variable. And I can't imagine that there's gonna be consistency. Um, certainly, I think we've seen differences between Oaks and Derby, for example, um, and those might correspond to differences in you know, unforeseen baseline characteristics that were identified or perhaps different phenotypic differences that we just don't have the understanding of. 
Got it. And then one more question about the method. So you pointed it out very clearly, supported here by Apelles, um, the, the presentation, the, the analysis that you have. What does that introduce? What sort of biases does that introduce that it's not supported by one company, but supported by the other company? How does that potentially influence this out, the outcomes? You know, I think anytime a, a study is supported by a company, I think there's always going to be the potential for bias as we look into these things. Um, you know, we, um, you know, this, all of our, um, you know, as we try to match the characteristics and, you know, balance the populations, all of our characteristics were decided a priori uh, yeah. to try to minimize any bias and so forth. You know, I mean, yeah. I have, um, you know, we, we incorporated uh, retina specialists for objective opinions and objective insights as well. But, you know, I think for all these types of studies, there's always going to be the potential for bias. And, you know, I think, um, you know, that has to be taken with with consideration. Great. Thank you. Good. T tell, tell us what you found. So uh, after we matched the, and balanced those populations, we compared uh, the different studies. And so, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the Oaks and Derby trials uh, looked at Cyfovri given either every month or every other month. So we compared monthly dosing with Cyfovri to monthly dosing with Isurve or absent captopegol. And we also compared every other month, every other month Cyfovri dosing to monthly uh, 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 Isurve uh, dosing. And so I'll talk about each of those different comparisons separately. So our first comparison was apples to apples monthly versus monthly of each of the two drugs. And if we look at the comparison of Oaks and Derby combined versus Gather2, we found a 30% greater reduction in geographic atrophy at one year, favoring uh, Cyfovri or Pegcetocoplan compared to Isurve or Avacid-Captopegol. Uh, this broke down to a 37% greater reduction seen in the Oaks comparison, but a 12% uh, and, and those uh, differences were statistically significant, both the combined Oaks and Derby of 30% and the Oaks alone of 37%. In Derby, where the um, one-year results were a little bit less robust, we saw a 12% greater reduction also favoring monthly Cyfovri compared to monthly uh, Isurve, but this difference was not statistically significant. But again, the overall Oaks versus Derby comparison uh, was a statistically significant uh, greater reduction of 30% favoring um, Cyfovri. If we looked at every other month dosing, so less frequent dosing with Cyfovri compared to monthly uh, Isurve dosing, and I'll remind you that Isurve was not tested every other month, then what we found were numerically greater uh, uh, trends towards greater reduction favoring Cyfovri, but none of these in either Oaks or Derby or combined Oaks and Derby were statistically significant. So our conclusion for, for that was that the every other month dosing was similar or equivalent to monthly dosing with Isurve, uh, but that the monthly dosing with Cyfovri appeared to be uh, superior to that of monthly dosing with Isurve. Fascinating. Um, so what's your so what's your takeaway from this? You know, I think everyone's takeaway should be, um, I think as people take away this type of data, you know, obviously the implication is how are we going to incorporate those drugs into our practice? And, right. you know, I think there are a lot of factors, as I mentioned earlier, that go into that. You know, one, of course, is the relative efficacy. And I think this gives, you know, some piece of the puzzle that perhaps according to this analysis, we see a greater efficacy with uh, Cyfovri compared to Isurve. Now, 
all the caveats, all the kind of limitations and the biases and so forth, uh, part, part of which we discussed need to be taken into account. And, you know, retina specialists should factor that in. Um, but there are other things that play into as well. So we have six months more clinical experience with Cyfovre. Um, and I think many of us have gotten a sense of how to administer it and how it works. Um, we've also seen some recent side effects with Cyfovre. And I think that may factor into people's decision-making process into, into which drug to use. We of course don't have that same type of utilization history or real world history with Isurve. And I think that needs to factor in as well. You know, we also have longer term data from a clinical trial standpoint with Cyfovre. And there's been a lot of exciting data also presented at ASRS looking, for example, at the uh, Gale extension study with 30 month data suggesting that with time we see a cumulative increase in, uh, in efficacy with at, at the most recent six month time point up to 30 uh, months, up to a 45% in, uh, reduction in GA growth um, in non-subfovial lesions. So very exciting things that we see uh, with Cyfovre. Again, we have a longer clinical trial history and a longer real world history. And um, you know how uh, Isurve um, kind of competes with that, I think remains uh, to be seen. And as a retina specialist, I certainly kind of welcome uh, learning about all the different good things that Isurve can provide in the setting of the benefits that Cyfovre can provide as well. Fascinating analysis. And then, and then when we have additional data, for example, we're going to have two-year data from um, Avastin Capted probably in the next month or so, um, uh, uh, publicly available. Will we be able to do these analyses then given that additional data, knowing that we already have additional data from Oaks and Derby? Yeah, I think we can extend that analysis to two year, uh, to the two-year time point. I think that should be an, uh, something that would be of great interest. Fascinating. And then one other question, more broadly, interesting approach, and you can imagine a lot of settings where this would be interesting. For example, to compare Frisimab to Ilea, to Lucentis, to Avastin. Have we seen the same statistical approach been used in anything else in retina so far? Uh, as far as I'm aware, uh, not in a meaningful way. Uh, it does require um, kind of certain characteristics for the trials to be able to be applied to the other trial. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I am aware of similar types of investigations being pursued for some of these new medications. And yeah. so I don't want to give too much away, but I invite you and the retina community to stay tuned because uh, I think something's going to become available. Exciting. Great work, Paul. It's always exciting to see a new sort of approach to analyzing the data that we have brought out into the field. There's always controversy whenever you compare two new drugs. So I genuinely applaud you, Paul, for being willing to do this and stand up and, and, you know, go through this. It's important. It's important that we as retina specialists don't shy away from comparisons when our patients truly want to know what, what is the right choice for me? And you're right. It's always a balance of safety, efficacy, access, burden. I mean, all this stuff is, is quite relevant, but we need more data to guide that. And this is really helpful. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, Charlie. Yep. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. Thanks, Carmen. It was really a pleasure to be here and to talk to you today. And uh, thanks for the opportunity.